Dr. Polk is one of the leading neuroscientists in the world. Um, Dr. Vincent Wong is a member here at St. Mark and works in the Texas Medical Center. I want to thank both of them for sitting down with me for a conversation to just ask the question, what amazes you about life as God has created? Both are men of faith and yet um, very well-respected scientists, and they just stand in awe of the life that God has given us and the world that God has created. We take the greatness for granted, don't we? We take the, the beauty of life and the greatness of God for granted. We take the fact that there is breath in our lungs and there is ground underneath our feet and there are stars in the sky for granted, the miracle of all that, and we make it very mundane. Which is why it's good for us every once in a while, you know, to talk to someone who maybe focuses on the intricacies and the beauties of these things uh, as their full-time job and let them remind us of how amazing and awesome and awe-inspiring all of this is. There's something about hearing a scientist say, you know, this, this really is a miracle. This really is a gift uh, that has a way of drawing our own sense of awe and wonder out of hibernation. Awe of God is good for the soul. And so in this series that we're starting this morning, uh, we're going to try and resurrect some of our awe of God by looking at creation, including, starting today, your very existence, human life. So let me start by saying this. Human life is the pinnacle of God's creative work. Nothing else here on earth or in the world that we've been able to observe is as complex and as capable as a human being. Nothing at all. You heard Dr. Polk and Dr. Wong say exactly that. Our ability as human beings is astounding. And the Christian scriptures affirm that truth, that, that human life is at the pinnacle, the top of the pyramid of all the things that God has created. Psalm 8, you heard that earlier. Let, let me just go back to a couple portions of it. David says this, when I look, God, at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him, yet you have made him, us, mankind, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. David is filled with awe as he thinks about all that God has made, and it's overflowing in praise, and he's writing this psalm, he's writing this song, and what he's saying is essentially this, everything I see is incredible, yet among your works, you have chosen us, human beings, mankind, to be the exemplar of all your abilities. Why us? Why not, why not dolphins? I mean, they're awesome. Why, why not mountains? I mean, they're epic. Why have you chosen to crown mankind with what he calls glory and honor? And that's what I want to dive into this morning. What does it mean for mankind, you and me, to be crowned with glory and honor? What is the glory that God has crowned you with? Well, I think any, any discussion like this has to start here. It has to start in the book of Genesis. And I'm not, I'm not going to read from the book of Genesis, but I want to remind you that there's an idea introduced in the earliest moments of the Christian scriptures. Uh, this idea is that mankind is made differently than everything else. 
In Genesis, you see everything being handcrafted by God, but God decides when he handcrafts us that he is going to make us as a reflection of the divine. You've probably heard it phrased like this, mankind is made in the image of God. And what God does is as he's going through and creating all the things, he goes through the same process for everything, except when he gets to us, he, he says out loud, I'm going to do things differently. And he does something with us that he didn't do when he made, you know, turtles or eagles or, you know, since we're in Texas, uh, roaches the size of a human head. When he makes mankind, he says, I'm going to look in the mirror for inspiration. He uses something of himself as inspiration for making you, making me, making all of us. We are made in his image. Now, that's not to say that, that we are physically made in the image of God, as if God has you know, two arms, two legs, and hair growing out of his ear. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. It will happen when you get older. So weird. That's not what it means to be made in the image of God. What it means to be made in the image of God is this, that there are certain abilities and instincts within the human body that reflect the divine. There are certain things that we are capable of as the pinnacle of creation that are divine, that are a reflection of the divine nature of God. It's the fact that you can love deeply. It's the fact that you can grieve deeply. It's the fact that you can create things out of nothing. It's the fact that you can dream things and then do things. It's the fact that you can discern truth, that you can perceive beauty. It's the fact that you know that some things are just right and some things are just wrong. It's the willingness in humanity, and we don't see this anywhere else really in creation, to fight for the things that are right and fight against the things that are wrong, even at the expense of ourself. All of that and more is a reflection of the divine. God gave us abilities and instincts that reflect his own. He made you, he made me, he made us in his image. That's part of what it means to be crowned with glory and honor that nothing else in creation has. Now that truth that you are made in the image of God, that you are a reflection of the divine, is meant to be an encouragement to you. Because let's be honest, yes, humanity is amazing and awe-inspiring. God created something awesome. But humanity is also deeply broken and can be really, really awful. That's what Christians call sin. The fact that we are made by this incredible God in his own image, yet we've messed it all up and we can be awful to one another and to him. That's sin. Sin is all the ways in which we reject the presence and the power and the will of God in our lives. And one of the many ways in which we reject the presence of God in our lives as sinful, awful human beings is by rejecting the image of God as we see it in others. One of the ways in which we sin against God is by rejecting the reflection of the divine, the image of God, when we see it in other people. This is how all of the world's worst injustices arise. We reject the image of God, the essential worthiness of you as a fellow created being but, but it's also experienced in things like this. Have you ever, 
Have you ever been made to feel bad because you feel things? Have you ever been accused of being hurt too easily or feeling too deeply? Has someone ever shut you down for trying to speak the truth or just attempting to make things better? You're just trying to make things better. Has someone stopped you from asking a question like, is this right? Should we do this? If you've experienced that, then you know how deep that pain goes when you feel as though someone doesn't want you to feel like you, like you naturally want to feel. They don't want to make things better. They don't want you to use your gifts. They don't want you to ask the tough questions. They don't want you to do those things. You know how difficult it is when someone shuts you down or shames you for those things. The reason it hurts so bad is because those things, a love for truth, a desire to create, a desire to feel and love and empathize, those things are part of the divine image in you. And when someone shuts those things down, the reason it hurts so deeply is because they are rejecting the image of God in you. That's why it hurts. Which means, if they have a problem with you because you feel and you love or you want to help or you want to build or you want to improve or you want to fight for the right thing or you want to ask the faithful questions, their problem isn't with you. Their problem is with him. You should never feel bad for feeling. You should never be shamed for wanting to improve or to help or to build or create something better. You, you should never be shut down for speaking the truth because when these things are done in love, they are of God. So be encouraged. We are crowned with glory and honor. We're made in God's image. It also means that we are desired and sought after by God. The scriptures say we are crowned with glory and honor because we are desired by God and sought after by God in a way that nothing else in all of creation is. We are the one thing in all of creation that God has chosen to have a more intimate relationship with. Yes, God, God has a relationship in a sense with every aspect of creation, with animals, with oceans and galaxies, but it's a different kind of relationship. It's a relationship of leadership. God is holding all things together, keeping all things going, getting all things moving. It's all held together in his hands. You know the old song. He's got the whole world in his hands. The whole of creation has a relationship with God, but it's a relationship of leadership. He's just in charge and he keeps it going. But we have a different relationship with God. Humanity has a different relationship. We, we not only experience his leadership, what we get to experience that nothing else gets to experience, we get to experience his love. That's what we get to experience. Think about this. Every part of creation is broken. It's beautiful, it's good ultimately, but, but it's all been affected by the ravages of sin and dysfunction. It's all broken, but we are the ones that he initiates a rescue plan for. We are the ones that he chooses to have a more intimate relationship with. Not anything else in all of creation. Just us. You are the one that he decides to rescue. In fact, we are told that God's love for us is so unique, so special, that even the angels are a bit jealous of it. Did you know that? 
I've got a verse and everything. Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, that God's work to save us, his love for humanity in Jesus Christ, is something the angels long to look at. They don't long to look at the Grand Canyon, though it's beautiful. They don't long to look at the Swiss Alps or the dolphins swimming in Galveston Bay. They long to look at how God loves you. Through Jesus Christ. Because nothing else gets that attention. The other day I was helping my six-year-old son get ready for school. Every morning I, I comb his hair for him. Because it's, it's got to be done like in this very specific way. He's become very particular about it. And so every morning at the exact same time, he, he, he comes into my bathroom and says, Dad, time to comb my hair. And I, like, we'll, if it were to take an hour to get it right, we would be there for an hour. He wants it parted in just the right way. He wants to, like, floof up in just the right way. And so one day, not too long ago, I was parting his hair. I was combing his hair, and I'm kind of standing over him, doing my dad thing. And I noticed, like, on, on the top of his head, right where I parted his hair, there was this, this, little, this little cute little pink birthmark right on the top of his scalp. And so later that day, I walked up to Lisa, and I said, Hey, did you know that, uh, did you know that Jack has a little birthmark on the top of his head? And the look I got from her. The, the conversation went something like this. Matt, I know everything about our kids. I could close my eyes right now and tell you where every single freckle is located on their body. Can't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course I can. I was, I was just testing you. Mother's Day is coming up. I don't want to reward mediocrity here. So I'm just testing you <laughs> to see if you know what's going on. Moms don't just love you. They love every square inch of you. They see you completely. They know you fully, and they care for every part of you. And that, that, that is the kind of love that God has for us, that he has for you, a kind of love that he doesn't have for, for any other aspect of creation. That's why Jesus is able to say to us that God has numbered all the hairs on your head. You've heard that verse before? It's why he's able to say that that. God has formed our inward parts and knitted us together in our mother's womb. Or one of my favorite verses is from the prophet Isaiah. This is God speaking through Isaiah to us. He says this, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the baby of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. This verse is so beautiful to me. Isaiah is saying, look, you, you know how moms never let their eyes leave their newborn children. Yet, sometimes even moms sin and struggle. God's love for you is like a mother with her newborn child, but even greater. He will never lift his eyes off you. He will never forget you. Then he goes further, and God says, I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. In the ancient world, they would engrave an outline, a rough map of the city that a prophet belonged to so that they could remember where the walls were located and what the city looked like. And so what God is saying here is, I have engraved an image of you on my hands so that whenever I look at my own hands, I can't help but see your face, your name, your needs. I will never not see you. 
Maybe you've never known that that's, that's, that's how God loves you. Maybe you've only ever heard that God is like mad about stuff. <laughs> and that he wants you to be a better person. Does God want you to be good? Sure. But that is so far down the list compared to the fact that he just wants you to know that he loves you. More than anything. Or maybe you've, you've only really ever known relationships where there's been distance and discord and this whole idea of someone seeing you, the whole person, and loving every part of you is just foreign to you. I want you to know that, that God sees you completely and he loves you completely and he's given us verse after verse after verse after verse. He sent his own son to make that clear to you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. That's part of what it means to be crowned with glory and honor. God loves you like he loves nothing else. Nothing else. The, the other aspect of being crowned with glory and honor is this. God is going to deliver you in body and soul. Here's what I mean by that. You are made in God's image. You are desired and loved. And in the very end, he is going to deliver you, rescue you, the, the whole person. And we tend to lose sight of this. The, the full promise of the Christian faith is that when Jesus died and rose again, he didn't just do it to save your soul. He did it to save your body and your soul. He did it to save you, the whole person, the flesh and blood that committed sins, the flesh and blood that is tormented by pains and aches and being chased down by death, he did it to forgive this flesh and this blood and to free this flesh and this blood from every remnant of sin and death and the grave. He did it not just to save your soul, but the whole person, body and soul. The full promise of the Christian faith is that when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to resurrect, restore, and perfect not your soul, but your whole person, your flesh and your blood and your bone and your spirit, the whole person. And, and the reason that's important is because when we say God loves you, the whole you, we mean literally every part and piece of you. Even the stuff that you don't like when you look in the mirror. God loves all of it. And Jesus died to save and forgive. And one day he's going to return and resurrect and recreate all of it. And that promise is unique to humanity. The promise is that when Jesus comes back, everything else gets pushed away and new stuff gets made. Everything else gets replaced. It says new heaven, new earth. Old one goes away. New world, new place, new animals, new mountains, old stuff goes away. New one. It used to be a garden, it's going to be a city. It's all brand new. Humanity's the only thing that doesn't get done over. We don't get replaced. We get resurrected. We get perfected. We get recreated, but we don't get replaced. Do you want to know why? Because God loves you. He doesn't want to do over with you. So he sent his son to die to save you, and his son is going to come back and resurrect and perfect you, the person you are today, flesh, blood, bone, and spirit, the whole thing. That's a promise that's unique to humanity. Nothing else in creation gets that promise, but you do. 
And that truth is meant to give you peace. Because here's what I know about you and me. Sometimes when we look at our bodies, these miracles, all we can see are the mistakes that we've made with it. All we can see are the the, the lips that said words that we regret, the hands that did things to hurt people that we love, the feet that walked away from responsibility. Or we see the scars, the literal scars of life in a really difficult world. We see the evidence of that time that we fell down. Or we see the evidence of the knee that was replaced or the lump that was removed. Or we look in the mirror and we see what everyone else says are imperfections about us. We see hair that's too thin, apparently, and a waist that's not, and a face that's too round, and a tooth that's crooked. And then what ends up happening is that this thing that's a miracle, that's a gift, that is the crown and glory of creation, rather than, rather than looking in the mirror and saying, hey, you're the crown and glory of creation, look at you. We look in the mirror and we loathe this thing. We hate this thing. Sometimes we even harm this thing. And rather than saying, you're the crown and glory of creation, you have a good day, what we say is, I hate this thing, I hate this thing, I hate this thing, I hate this thing. But what does God say? He doesn't just say, I forgive you. He says, I forgive those feet. I forgive those hands. Through the death of Jesus Christ, I forgive those lips. And the promise is that I'm going to take that body that you don't like when you look in the mirror, and I'm going to, I'm going to make it better. I'm going to remove every ache, every pain, every trace of death and difficulty. I'm going to remove all of it. There, there's no do-overs here. I'm going to perfect this thing. I love this thing so much that I sent my son to live for it, die for it. When he comes back, I'm going to get to enjoy it for eternity. He sees and he loves and he saves all of you, every part of you. It's all been bled for and died for and purchased. He loves you, the miracle that he made, thin hair and crooked tooth and all. We take the greatness for granted, don't we? We take the beauty of this life and the glory of God for granted. Did you know that, that every second your body produces 25 million new cells? And that in 15 seconds time, your body will have produced more new cells than there are people in the United States. Did you know that? That's insane. Did you know that there are, there are about 80,000 miles of blood vessel inside of your body? That's gross, but cool. That's enough blood vessel to wrap around the earth three times with some extra left over. This is amazing. And you know what? If the rest of us were to disappear from this planet and you were the only one left, you, and I know there's things that you don't like about yourself, there's mistakes you've made, there's, there's scars on your flesh, there's, there's things you loathe about what you see in the mirror, but you, even with all of that, if you were the only person left in creation, it was just you and all the animals and all the glories of this earth, you were the only person left, you, you, as you are today, you would still be the crown and glory of all that is. You. 
Yes, because you are more complex and capable than anything in this world, but more so because you, you are made in the image and the reflection of God, and you are desired and loved by him, and you are being delivered by him. He loves the whole person. That's what makes you the crown and glory of creation. So may you, may you be filled with gratitude for what God has made and what God has done. May you seek to be a good steward of this gift that he has given. And when you stand in the mirror, may you stand in awe. Because awe of God is good for the soul. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is so easy for us to take for granted the glories of this world and especially just the miracle that is us. Father, we, we pray that you would awaken a fresh sense of gratitude in us uh, for the miracle that is every moment that our heart beats and our lungs take in oxygen. Lord, we don't have to be here and yet you have made us and you have put us here to enjoy this life and to be known by you. You can treat us just like every other aspect of creation, and yet you, you shine a special love onto us and give us special gifts and talents and abilities that, that shine your radiance into every corner of this creation. Lord, help us to appreciate that. Help us to ask big questions about what it means to be a good steward of your image, to be a good steward of the things we feel, the love we have, the beauty that we see, the justice we long for. Help us to ask those questions, Lord. Help us to stand in awe of you beginning with the gift of making us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.